Well, good morning and happy Thanksgiving weekend. We are in Proverbs 8 this morning, so I encourage you to turn there. We'll be reading it throughout the morning. While you're turning there, I want to share with you, though, a list that I was able to pass along to just a few others at the end of this past week that includes some of the things for which I'm thankful uh, at this time of year. Uh, to begin with, a church family that is full of flexibility and forbearance. You, you have certainly been that over the course of the last eight months. I'm thankful for a public witness of our love for Christ as well as each other as often as we gather here outside. I'm grateful for a crew of can-do Grace Group shepherds. I'm grateful for a creative children's ministry, an example of which uh, you just saw, that works hard on site and online. I'm grateful for a successful a Thursday night women's Bible study, a whole semester that they spent meeting under the shade sails up there in the patio. I'm so thankful for a packed midweek 412, as well as a staff of student-loving and Christ-exalting workers. A powerful 40 days of prayer. A patio full of beautiful feet families that get together every Sunday morning at 10.15, right after this meeting here. A broader gospel exposure by way of our weekly live stream. Uh, you may not realize this, but over these months, we have actually had more people come under the hearing of the word at grace than in the previous years. And it's all by way of our combined onsite and online ministry. I'm grateful for a new and vibrant Tuesday morning prayer meeting. Uh, if you are awake at 6.30 a.m. on Tuesday morning, you are more than welcome to come and take part in this great thing uh, that runs for 45 minutes, uh, Tuesday morning, 6.30 to 7.15. Uh, I am grateful for a wonderfully innovative and determined and unstoppable food bank team. And they've been that way over all of these months. And uh, finally, I am thankful for a well-endowed benevolence fund that reflects the generosity and the love of our church family, even during these trying days. Well, those are just a few of the things for which I'm thankful. On Thursday, as we run around the table, each member of my family, independent of the other, uh, mentioned that they are thankful to the Lord for our Grace family. You are family, and you mean so much to us, and we're grateful to God for you. Well, we are in Proverbs 8 this morning. Uh, like I said, we'll be going there uh, throughout the morning, so keep a finger in that page, and we'll, we'll get to it here in just a moment. Someone who knows what they're looking at can add interest to it for others. So for example, while our night sky is filled with stars, someone who knows what they're looking at can uh, point out the constellations, Orion and Taurus and the Big and Little Dippers. Uh, while our northern horizon is filled with mountains, somebody, know, somebody who knows what they're looking at can identify San Gabriel Peak from Mount Wilson from Islip Saddle. 
Uh, while our soil is filled with a variety of stones, someone who knows what they're looking at can differentiate between uh, sandstone and quartz, quartz and granite, granite and basalt. Now, ignorance of these facts doesn't make stars or mountains or stones any less lovely. But the added knowledge can certainly make them more interesting. And so it is when it comes to the Bible. Old Testament scholar Tremper Longman is somebody who knows what he's looking at. And so when Dr. Longman looks at Proverbs chapter 8, he not only sees the words that fill these 36 verses, but he also sees the framework into which they fit. And if he were here this morning, he would tell you that the framework of Proverbs chapter 8 is largely that of an ancient autobiography, which if nothing else, accentuates this fact. When we look at God's wisdom, we are not looking at lifeless principle, a distant, cold, optional, uh, something like a trending topic given to a panel of news channel pundits for uh, arm's length argumentation and debate. No, when we look at God's word, we are looking at a life-giving person, a intimate, passionate, necessary, uh, a supremely important person, as we'll see here in Proverbs chapter 8, whose history predates creation, whose benefits outstrip silver and gold, whose significance is one of life and death. Uh, Dave Talley showed us that last week in Proverbs chapter 7, where wisdom declares, keep my commandments and live, and warns us the house of folly goes down to the chambers of death. This week we'll see it again in chapter 8 where wisdom declares, whoever finds me finds life and warns us that all who hate me love death. So, given her long history and her rich benefits and her solemn significance, it's no wonder that the main point of Proverbs chapter 8, which is found in verses 32 through 36, you don't need to look at it right now, um, in summary, is simply this. Listen to wisdom and then obey her. Listen to wisdom and obey her because those who listen to wisdom and obey her truly live. They live, a, a doubly, live with a doubly endowed blessing. We'll see that a little later. While those who don't listen to and obey wisdom die, even before they're dead, having brought injury upon themselves. So this morning, we're going to take a look at wisdom's autobiography, uh, wisdom in her own words. Uh, we're going to look at her call, her characteristics, her beginnings, and finally, her benefits. So that's the way forward this morning. Let's begin with the call of wisdom, and we find that in verses 1 through 11, and then verses 17 through 21. Follow along as I, as I read. Proverbs 8.1, does not wisdom call? 
does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way. At the crossroads, she takes her stand beside the gates in front of the town. At the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. And then down to verses 17 through 21. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Well, at the very outset of this section, it's interesting to notice the fact that it is wisdom who does the calling. Men and women are not seen calling out after wisdom. Wisdom is seen calling out after women and men. And we see that right there at the beginning of verse 1. Wisdom doesn't wait uh, for anyone's attention. Wisdom takes the initiative and goes after it. And it's no wonder because it's a matter of life and death. We see this at the very beginning of the Old Testament where God takes the initiative in Genesis chapter 3 and goes after our rebellious first parents, Adam and Eve. We see it at the beginning of the New Testament where Jesus takes the initiative and goes after his rebellious people, the nation of Israel, Matthew chapter 15. And as wisdom goes after it, as wisdom goes after us, we see at the end of verse 1 that she calls out. Not in a private space, but a, a public one like those in verses 2 and 3. Uh, the high point, the crossroads, the main gate where she has to raise her voice to be heard. Wisdom puts herself in those places because that's where everyone is. No doubt that's one of the main reasons that God sent the Old Testament prophet Jonah to Nineveh in Jonah chapter 3, because that's where everybody was. Why God sent the New Testament prophet Paul to Athens in Acts 17, because that's where everybody was. Why God sent Jesus through cities and villages in Luke chapter 8, because that's where everybody was and why Jesus in turn told his followers to go into all the world in Matthew 28 because that's where everybody is. Wisdom takes the initiative. Wisdom goes after us because she has something to say. In fact, she has two main things to say. In verse 6, she calls out, hear what I say. And then in verse 10, she calls out, Take what I have. Well, what does Lady Wisdom have to say that is so important? Well, it's not that which is 
seductively persuasive and smoothly compelling as called out by Lady Folly back in Proverbs chapter 7. Rather, Lady Wisdom wants us to hear that which is noble and right. We see that there in verse number 6. True and righteous, verses 7 and 8. That in which, according to verses 8 and 9, there is nothing twisted or crooked. My words are all straight to him who understands. We recently uh, finished a building, or rather a house, remodeling project, during which I was reminded that a twisted nail is still a nail, but of absolutely no use. A crooked board is still a board, but of no use. Building materials can't be twisted. They can't be crooked. They have to be straight. And so it is with the words out of which we build a life. They have to be straight. So while the words of Lady Folly in chapter 7 are enticing, that's why they're so effective among so many. They are crooked. Well, the words in Proverbs chapter 8 are noble and right and true. Not always easy to hear. Uh, sometimes they can even smart. Uh, God's word is bold. It, it, it's like a mirror, uh, which doesn't always tell us what we want it to, but at least it's honest. That's God's word. Consider the words of the psalmist who writes, let a righteous man strike me and it is a kindness. Let him rebuke me and it is oil for my head and let not my head refuse it. Psalm 141, five. And then Proverbs 27, six. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We just sang, discipline us in your kindness. The words of Lady Wisdom are not always easy to hear, but they are straight and they do support a life. That's why she wants you to not only hear her words, she wants you to take her words because according to verses 10 and 11, 18 and 20, they are incomparable to all that you desire. In fact, they are better than jewels. Uh, my sister-in-law has a ring in which is set uh, uh, emeralds and rubies. It was a ring that was given to her. And it's one thing to hear about this ring. It's another thing to gaze into that ring. It is spectacular. But God's wisdom is better than that. I remember the first time I went to London and I had a friend that really prevailed upon me to go and see the crown jewels. And so I went to the tower and I paid the money and I stood in line. It was summertime. And uh, as you stand in line there, there are pictures of these jewels that you'll be seeing inside. Of course, they are all sun beaten and baked, faded to the nth degree. And you think, I've just spent all this money and I'm, I'm, I'm spending all this time to see these faded rocks. And then you get inside. Oh my, they are absolutely stunning just about every time I've been back to London. I go and see the crown jewels. God's wisdom is better than that. 
better than precious metals, choice silver, fine gold. And on top of that, God's wisdom provides honor and righteousness and an inexhaustible inheritance. How how do you take all that in? I don't know. One way is maybe to ask yourself, well, what is it that I desire? What is all that I desire? Well, I desire good health and I desire financial security and I desire relational stability. I desire those things. Whatever that looks like for you in total, God's wisdom is better than that. Another way to think about it is to ask yourself, if I was preparing to die, in what would I take consolation? Where would I find my relief? And what would I place my hope? So often as I think about that question, I uh, recall when I lived in suburban Chicago and a colleague of mine drove downstate to visit his dying grandmother. And he described to me how of all the things in which she could have been taking consolation, uh, her long life, her loving family, her rich legacy, there was only one thing that mattered in that moment, and it was God's word, his wisdom. And then he went on to describe to me how he um, uh, served his grandmother the Lord's Supper and the manner in which she received the bread and took the cup. And it, it was all in a way that communicated, this is all that counts because this is all that lasts. This is the wisdom that is incomparable to all of your desires. Verse number 11. This is the wisdom that provides a lasting inheritance. Verse 21. So this is the message of Lady Wisdom. It's not a private message. It's a public one. It's not a trivial message. It's an urgent one. And it's not a quiet message. But it's one that requires a raised voice. Calling out. Crying. And we do well to take a moment and ask ourselves, what are the modern high points, crossroads, main gates, the busy, have to raise your voice places where everyone is and wisdom needs to be heard? Well, one place is surely the World Wide Web, WWW. I mean, the name says it all. So how do you make room for Lady Wisdom uh, on your social media page or your blog or your website? Let me quickly mention three ways you can do that. First of all, let wisdom speak for herself. I have a friend in Arizona who's, uh, and another one in Illinois, both of whom are really good at doing this. They post just a brief passage of scripture They cite the reference. Sometimes they'll add just a little line of their own and they'll leave it at that. They'll let wisdom speak for herself. Another way is to let the calendar set the agenda. Uh, We live in a society where Christian holidays still dominate the landscape. So a word from the Bible about Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter is an easy way to give wisdom her place 
in the busy crossroads of contemporary conversation. A third way is to let God's people help you. Uh, why should I feel compelled to say what others have said and most of the time so much better than I can say it? Uh, even looking out here, I, I see some persons who say things and put them online that others can access and post to their own page. This is one reason why I appreciate the Gospel Coalition. In fact, they state their purpose for being online as to put a megaphone to Christ. Then they switch metaphors and explain that their aim is to use the internet to shine the bright, beautiful light of the gospel on all of life. So posting links to printed pieces is a way to put Lady Wisdom at the main gate as is posting links to recorded talks like helpful sermons or lectures or discussions. Lady Wisdom is not going to be treated like Americans would want to treat her, that is to say, in their time and in their way. Our world is dangerous, it's tenuous, Lady Wisdom understands that, and so she is actively and competitively and urgently calling out the way to safety. So that's the call of wisdom. Hear and take. Next, we're introduced to the characteristics of wisdom. Take a look at verses 12 through 17. A worthless person, a wicked man. Wait a minute. That is not. That's Proverbs. Here we go. I wisdom dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule, and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. Notice four characteristics out of this section. First of all, uh, wisdom is friendly. Wisdom is friendly. Those who befriend wisdom get to hang out with her friends. Uh, verse number 12, we see that that includes prudence and knowledge and discretion. Uh, verse number 14, counsel and insight and strength. In fact, in the New Testament book of James, we're told that wisdom introduces us to, I'm gonna just, just going to count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight more friends. In my life, I have had the privilege of knowing a man who welcomed me into a circle of friends that I could have never entered unless I knew him change my life. Wisdom is that same way. One friend who introduces us to a whole circle of other friends that we could have otherwise never known. Second, notice that wisdom is hateful. We see that in verse number 13. Wisdom hates what harms the objects of her love. 
And so we see there that wisdom hates pride and arrogance because wisdom loves meekness and humility. Uh, Wisdom hates the way of evil because she loves the way of righteousness. Wisdom hates perverted and uh, 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 twisted and crooked speech because she loves sound speech. When I got married and, and then again when I became a father, I learned what it means to hate. That is to say, hate what harms the objects of my love. To hate what intends to compromise my marriage. To hate what intends to exploit my children. These things are diabolical and can be recognized and rejected with greater acumen as one grows in his or her relationship with wisdom. The world is out to get you. But wisdom can help you recognize that fact and hate it and reject it, push away from it, and protect those who fall into your sphere of responsibility. Third, notice that wisdom is influential. We see that there in verse number 15. Reigning and ruling and governing are all done best under the influence of wisdom. Uh, Back in the uh, history books of the Old Testament, uh, uh, scripture links good leaders with God's wisdom. Uh, Joshua was such a prophet, Deuteronomy 34. Solomon was such a king, 1 Kings 3. Ezra was such a scholar, Ezra chapter 7. And what was true then is no less true now. I was having lunch with a fella uh, some years ago who worked in the west wing of the White House with the president. Uh, Not the current president, another president. But he told me that Uh, When his boss showed up to work each day at 6.30 a.m. for the daily security briefing, he knew that if he had done nothing else up to that point, he would have at least already read uh, his daily portion out of the one-year Bible. He was committed to that, reading through the Bible once every year. Lieutenant General William K. Harrison, who led the top-rated infantry division, Uh, in World War II, the 30th Division, who received every decoration for valor except for the Congressional Medal of Honor in World War II, who was chosen by President Eisenhower to negotiate the end of the Korean War, remained committed even through the harried years of battle to reading through the Old Testament once and the New Testament four times. Those who lead best do so under the leadership of Lady Wisdom. Fourth, notice that wisdom is accessible. Verse number 17 states the matter straight up. Those who seek me diligently find me. That's the point of verses one through five. Wisdom is calling and crying and raising her voice. She's putting herself in your way so that she can be found. Jesus said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you for everyone. Everyone. Not a certain type of person, not a person from a certain place, not from a certain caste, not with a certain ability, but everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, 
it will be opened. Paul declared to the Athenians, and he made from one man every nation that they should seek God and find him. Acts 17, 26 through 28. So wisdom is accessible. She can be known. And those who know her love her, and those who love her are loved by her. Verse number 17. So wisdom has introduced us to her call, uh, her characteristics. And now in verses 22 through 31, she introduces us to her beginnings. Uh, Read with me, beginning in verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. And I've just lost my place. There we are, 27. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, when then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Notice four things here. First, wisdom was and is possessed by the Lord. Mindy uh, introduced us to that point earlier this hour. We see that in verse 22. So to know wisdom is really to know God, that the, the two are inextricably linked. That's why wisdom cut off from her source is life draining. It's just a list of of bare, naked, raw rules. While wisdom connected to her source is life-giving. Second, notice that wisdom predates creation. In fact, in verse 23, she declares, I was set up before the beginning of the earth. Wisdom is the foundation upon which creation was built, like the foundation of a house. Wisdom goes largely unseen while holding everything up. Or as one scholar puts it, God wired wisdom into the cosmos is the inner logic of everything. It's how everything started. It's how everything works. It's the secret code to reality that is not a secret. I like that. Third, Wisdom not only predates creation, wisdom was present at creation. We see that in verses 27 through 29. The creation of the heavens and the earth and all that is in the earth. Verse 27, wisdom declares, I was there. But not only was wisdom present for creation, uh, verses 30 through 31 tell us that fourth, wisdom participated in creation. That's fascinating working alongside the Lord, rejoicing before him and his world, delighting in those created in God's image. Do the Old Testament beginnings of Lady Wisdom sound familiar to you? If not, consider these New Testament passages of whom it's written. He was in the beginning 
and was with God and was the one through whom all things were made. John 1, 1 through 3. He was before all things and the firstborn of all creation and the one by whom and through whom and for whom all things were created as well as the one in whom all things hold together. Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 17. From the time of his youth he was filled with wisdom and increased in wisdom. Luke 2 verses 39 through 52. So that those who knew him asked, what is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Mark 6, 2. This is the one to whom the apostle Paul expressly refers as the wisdom of God and the wisdom from God. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 24 and 30. And then as the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. Colossians 2, verse 3. Brothers and sisters, a, a wisdom who is poetically identified as a lady in the Old Testament is literally identified in the New Testament as a man. The man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the one who down through the ages has been actively calling out, hear what I say, take what I have. Jesus is the one who can introduce you to friends who can make you into someone that you could not have otherwise become. Jesus is the one who hates those who would destroy you. He's on your side. Jesus is the one whose wisdom is not only for leaders, but people like us. Jesus is the one who is readily and eminently accessible at all times. And so it is Jesus who concludes Proverbs chapter 8 with the benefits of wisdom. Let's look at them together, verses 32 through 36. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. In conclusion, I just want you to notice two things. First, the benefit of wisdom is blessing. Two times over, life over death, God's favor over self-injury, an overall sense of God-given well-being. That's what sustained my colleague's grandmother at death's door, that blessing. But second, notice that the way to wisdom, two times over here in the conclusion, is listening. It's listening. And I especially like that second reference to listening there in verse 24. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. I like that image because it reminds me of our dog, Luke, who spent every day of his 16 years listening. By our back gate here in California and by our front door in Indiana watching and waiting and listening for a word from us. 
Luke, he lived for our words. He lived by our words. And so may we live for Christ, the wisdom of God and the wisdom from God. Let's pray. On this first Sunday of Advent, we remember these words from a beloved carol. O come thou wisdom from on high, and order all things far and nigh. To us the path of knowledge show, and cause us in her way to grow. And all this we pray according to your word, O God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.